Gaming NBS episode 275, coming to you Monday, January 6th, 2020. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. Happy 2020! I'm Sean. <laughs> I'm Brett. I'm glad there. We're doing the intro and I realized on the note it still said 2019. And I was like, oh that. my God, I got the wrong date. Ah, panic, panic, scribble, scribble. Panic at the disco. Yeah. I don't write checks anymore, so I don't have the... Uh... Oh, I wrote 2019 on my checks. I don't write checks. Hey, yeah. don't put two zero. Just for your date. Can always be manipulated. Oh, that's true. Gotta write out the full year. Twenty twenty. So no one tries to backdate your check on that's you. Right. Or or future date your check. Right. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> uh, a little helpful tip from Uncle Sean. There you go. Did you get any gaming in last weekend, man? No. 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 Gaming <sighs> kicks off the new year. First time since I don't know before Christmas for sure. We were talking Call about that before we before we got on. Where holidays are kind of weird. Sometimes you can get like these spurts of gaming, at least within our um, our schedules, <laughs> and even the forums and some of the online communities I follow kind of dry up a little bit over the holidays. Which I sometimes like. Oh, not much going on. Then the other part of me is like, Hey, that's pretty cool. People got other shit going on. Yeah. They're not here. They're busy. They're doing stuff with their families, or their friends, or they've got cool holiday stuff going. So that's really cool. Right. But for me, the the first kickoff for 2019 will be Evercon, which is by the time this drops, will be the f- next weekend, January 10, 11, 12, evercon.org. Check that out. Sean, you still coming? You're going to be there Saturday? I'm going to be there, man. Awesome. Bells on. That's awesome. That's how you can find Sean at a con. He's the one with the bells. That's right. Um, Let's see here. Chris Nizak and I met. To talk about Avalon 2020 plans, some of the uh, stuff we want to put together. Um, we've got some more. We have Iron Shoes and Blacksmith's Folly, along with the, um, the original core setting book for Avalon. All that stuff's out, <coughs> excuse me, on drive through. And there's the other components from the Kickstarter that will be out in individual PDFs, which will be hitting pretty quick, I think, in the next few weeks. But for 2020, we've got some stuff in store with um, basically char- character-focused stuff. One of the things that Chris and I talked about, which I think is important, is I think the setting book and the adventures and stuff really helped the game master, at least from my perspective, what uh, readers have told me. Hey, they helped me set up um, a cool world and a neighborhood and blah, 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 and that's great. What I want to do is make it so that the players have Avalon-flavored themed stuff to work with. So thinking of like, you know, in D&D 5e, you've got backgrounds, the merits, the flaws, the, the bonds, that type of stuff. And Take the standard stuff, but tweak it a little bit, work it over a little bit. I know they did some of that for Eberron and a few other settings, just so you can have that extra flavor to inject into your player character, because then it helps you build this really kick-ass character and do some of the work for you ahead of time. Like, hey, if you take this background, this is how this would fit really well into this type of environment, and then that just helps you all the better, all the all the better to role play with type of thing. So that'll be happening. I've got a few other things cooking too, but. Got some kind of player focused for a little bit, I think. Up Man, front. we'll see how that I, goes. What I would have done to been a fly on that wall with you and the sneezeck. It's always a good time, actually. Man, we have a lot of fun. Ideas are crazy. Mag, it's just it's just huge. Ideas abound. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, cool stuff coming. Any announcements from you, Sean? Anything? Uh. No, not a no, no. no? Okay. Well, do we want to talk about Lou now, or do we want to do it in die roll? I guess we can talk about it now. Yeah, um, we'll throw a link in the show notes and, and whatnot. But Luzaki, I don't know um, if you've heard of Zuchi. People have said Zuchi Dice or Zaki Dice, the Colonel, the one and only. Back in the day, I actually, while um, drinking heavily with Matt Forbeck and uh, Robert Schwab. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Khan. I got part of I've forgotten Lou's 
importance in gaming history, really. He was like the guy. When you were ordering gaming supplies, it was Lou. His dice, his games, all that stuff. That was a really important thing. And he's been a, a kind of a pillar in that old school community. And a lot of people, because of Lou and his love for the hobby and pushing and helping to do all this stuff, this is how you get like, you know, polyhedrals mass produced and all that good stuff. So he recently had a tragedy, um, a bit of a fire. Took out the uh, the garage, which has basically been his home office, uh, the place where he had a lot of products stored, game development stuff. You know, think of any small business owner running stuff out of their home and have a fire that destroys that portion of their home. So that is unfortunately what happened to Lou. Um, all reports that I've seen is Lou and family are fine, but it's the it's the damage to home and property and to the, the hobby stuff that he was working on. So there is a GoFundMe out there to try to help uh, Lou get back on his feet and reclaim some of the loss that he took with that. So if that's if uh, you're feeling in the giving mood and that's something you'd like to like to do, um, we will have a link in the show notes to that. So yeah, we'll have a link to the GoFundMe. Um, there was an update. Derek Harris is the one organizes the GoFundMe for Lou. Um, oh, cool. We posted yesterday as of this recording that Lou is going to be attending <clears throat> Tupelo. Tupelo Con. Tupelo. Tupelo. Tupelo? There you go. Yeah, Tupelo. Yeah, uh, in Mississippi. Oh, very cool. Uh, March 7th and 8th. So uh, despite the tragedy, he's <clears throat> life goes on. Yeah. So uh, other than that, I don't have any announcements or anything that I can right, remember. Let's, let's roll in the random right, car. Random keep it rolling. Right. Still holiday season. Yeah, a little thin, but that's okay. Yeah. Scrounged up a few. So you've got this first one out there, but I don't know who the hell wrote it in or who is it from. <laughs> I was that's, probably in mid-thought. Got looks like a, it looks like a neat quote, but there's no nothing attributed. It's a um, the Ray Otis episode, and I could tell you who said that in just one second. It was... A very long second <laughs> about the next game by, well, he goes by, I've, is it Ivert? Ivert. It's Gabe Dive. Oh. Gabe Diving says this. Oh, okay, okay. Cool. So. Um, now I'm going to make you read it after you did that. That's fine. So Gabe on the forum. So the, Ray got some positive um, comments about his Write up about the next game that we featured last episode. Yep. So Gabe commented, I just took the first part because Gabe goes into his game after that. So um, he says, the metaphor I devised for this. Okay. So people that didn't listen to last episode, Ray mentioned, hey, live in the moment, play, make the game that you're playing the best it can be. Don't sweat trying to find a game that you think will be better or fill a need that you are missing. Yeah. Play, you know, play it like you stole it, play yeah. hard, play to have the best, most amount of fun you can. So to get the full context, listen to episode 274 for God's sake. Darn Anyways. right. But Gabe goes into this. He says the metaphor I devised for this, though, perhaps I'm talking about something different was quote unquote, looking into other people's backyards. Hmm. What I mean is that I kept hearing about great games and I kept hearing glowing testimonials from those who were playing them that I kept wanting to do that rather than focusing on and remaining content with the emerging narrative I already had on hand. This is, I think this is really wise and I haven't put it in this, in these words, but I do a very similar thing. Maybe that's why I think this is so wise. But anyway, if I like right now, I'm running Delta Green. I have other stuff I want to do after Delta Green, but I burn um, damn near zero time on it. Like, oh, that'd be neat. If I find something that would go really good into my next Bad Magic game, it goes on a Bad Magic pile. I literally have a pile of books off of my left here that I just put things on. Like, oh, that that's good reference material for that. And whenever I get to it, or I'll, I'll take a note and push it away. But I honestly do my best to 
try to immerse myself in the game I'm playing as much as I can, or the one I'm running. If I'm playing in a game, I find it a little bit easier to kind of flit in and out to a point. But even then, if we're going to be playing D&D 5e in Alpha's, you know, uh, Demon Lord's campaign, all right, read my character, get brushed up on it, make sure I check out a couple things here and there, get back in the 5e mode, and then go. And I, I'm not rereading my Astonishing Swordsman Sorcerer's Hyperborea stuff just yet. When we do the episode with um, uh, with Tim Deshane and we talk about that, yeah, I'll go back through, you know, bone up on my rules and whatnot and do a read. But otherwise, when I'm running a game, I try to stay as close to that material as I can. I think it really, it, it helps me stick in that moment and stop looking in the other backyard. <laughs> what do you think about that, Sean? You like yeah. that? Yeah. Nothing, nothing to add. Just, I just always read other books while I'm running games. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, it's it's a terrible habit. Right now, I picked up another Star Wars. Uh, well, I you got Call of Cthulhu game coming up. Did you prep for that? No, I'm too busy reading yeah. Scum and Villainy. I did read some Call of Cthulhu. I didn't want to get too far ahead of myself. So then I started reading Force and Destiny. But even if we don't, even if you take the, hey, and maybe I'm taking a step too far, but not reading other stuff or staying immersed in a certain type of genre, but... I think it, it is very tempting, especially with the cool social media stuff that's out there. And there's some incredible kick-ass games and events happening. It's very easy to go, oh, I want to be in that. That sounds amazing. And, yeah. Sometimes you go, wow, that's cool. Huh. I'll make a note. Maybe I'll get back to that someday. Maybe that'll be the next thing. But until such time, let's stick where we are. You know? Yeah. No, I like it. That's a good metaphor. It's a good way to go. All right. Thank you, Gabe. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Harrigan emailed us on episode 273, talking about consequences. Guys, regarding consequences in RPGs, episode 273. Both your GM styles sound pretty adversarial, Ooh. which is fine, but there's a whole other school of thought around how to play RPGs, taking into account stance, actor, author, director, uh, and more collaborative storytelling techniques. Worth exploring in a future episode, perhaps, as it gets into separating player from character knowledge, sharing the fiction creation with the whole table, etc. Without going down that bunny trail right now, how about this question? Do either of you change your GM style depending on the system and the group of players you have? Uh, some story game techniques have been creeping into trad games for a while now. wonder how you are both handling these. Bennies, for example, in the latest edition of Savage Worlds can now be used to influence the story. A pretty significant change. Do you stick to your instincts and try and true GM guns no matter what? Or can old dogs learn new tricks? What do you think of more modern systems that handcuff the GM, like Numenera, where GM interruptions are a mechanic instead of the GM just getting shouty and sulky when the players aren't listening? <laughs> anyway, keep on keeping on. Happy 2020, and good luck with Evercon, Brett. Harrigan. Mm. Woof. Woof, woof. Yeah? Woof. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, hmm. What's interesting to me, if I break down some of the... So when I read things like GM interruptions, I read through that. I'm like, I already do that. I don't need a mechanic for that. That's the first thing I think of when I when I read some of that stuff. And somebody wants to influence the story. I think my group doesn't need that. We already do stuff like that. Now that said, <clears throat> once I started playing outside of my home group with other players who don't know how we do things at Brett's table, it's really handy to have some of those tools out there or mechanics and so forth, so that people can play a certain way. Or then like, hey, this is the type of experience I want to have. Having some of those tools handy, story game techniques or even trad game techniques, vice versa, utilizing them to help bring a certain feel or whatever it is to the game at hand. I find that I use more of that stuff and modify my GMing techniques more on the players I have than the system. If I'm playing with people who I've never played with before, have no idea how I game master or what Avalon is, for example, or whatever the case is, I want to make sure that I've got system mechanics and all this stuff because I want to be able to give these players all the right tools, approaches, and so forth so that they can interact and have the most amount of fun. If it's with my home group, I can say things like, hey, this is how... Um, uh, you know, the, the bonds in Delta Green work, and this is how we're going to break them down. This is what happens when you fuck this up and you go a little crazy and you piss off your ex-wife and she takes your kid from you and you can't see them anymore. And, and we, we go through that. My, uh, my buddy Lenny was, was playing his character 
was had lost enough sanity that he should have been temporarily insane by the rules. <clears throat> However, we're playing, and he just naturally had his character behaving in a temporarily insane fashion. Sean's getting a phone call, apparently. What and, in the hell is she doing? <laughs> so he's getting so Lenny's character starts going temporarily insane, and he will, he goes he goes a little crazy. He does something stupid. And he ends up getting eaten by a shotgun. Oh, so bad for Lenny. Had I been with another group of people, a different player, I would have said, "You lost a bunch there. Let's see if you're temporarily insane," and utilize the mechanic. Um, so I guess long way around here again. I tend to try to utilize different jamming styles and tools and things within the game systems to help influence players so that not that they're doing it right, but so that they can have the most fun. Because if the setting requires sanity to be a big player, I want to make sure I'm using that stuff correctly and I'm giving them all the right bits and pieces so that they can have a good time. And that usually happens at a convention game where I want to make sure I curate that experience as best I can for somebody. So I, I've learned I learned some new stuff. There's some new cool things out there. Other stuff I read and go, yeah, well, you know, if I, I don't think I'd ever run this game at a con if I run this with my friends, this mechanic, eh, I don't necessarily need that. We already do something like that anyway. That's how I see it. Sean, what do you think? I, uh, I don't play with, so I'm thinking of every person that I play with in every group that I'm currently running games for, which is about, Oh, one, two, three, four, five. You've got like two or three groups Probably going, dude. T- 10 people total. Yeah, that's pretty good. Many are not of the... We're not playing games that have radical rules. That's a, that's a bad word because they're not radical. They don't have... They're not systems like Numenera. Or a cipher system with GM intrusions. We're not running Savage Worlds with Bennies. We're not running Star Wars fantasy flight games with uh, dark, dark, dark side, side. side points. It's funky dice. Fun, none of that. We're not. I'm not playing DCC with funky dice. Yep. Or powered by the apocalypse with moves. So many of the people that I play with are of the very traditional role playing game background mindset Mm -hmm. i'm the game master i provide the scene they react to the situation at hand am i opposed to them saying hey it would it be okay if i could do this would it you know could i spend a point of inspiration to just this occurs or yeah influence something in some way yeah i have this item Mm mm-hmm Yes, I would be open to that. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. that heavy-handed. But if I were to sit down and say, okay, unless it's like outside of their, unless it's like their background of their player character, and they would say, hey, I wrote up my character background. Here's all the background, Mm -hmm. which is what Crystal did for Call of Cthulhu or Jeff uh, in D&D, Tomb of Annihilation, whatever. Anything outside of that, if I ask them, hey, man, you tell me what's going on. You tell me the name of the tavern. You tell me what the bartender looks like. I don't think my players would go, oh, okay, cool. And then they would just spout that off. I think they could, but I don't think they're used to that being turned on them in that way. I'll tell you, sourcing the table is one of the newer things. It's been out forever and ever, but it's one of those things that was newer to my group. And I started doing it after running that way at cons and running with kids and other people I hadn't run before, getting them more involved and saying, Hey, I need, and instead of being stuck. And so what I did was next time I got stuck in with a name, I said, Lenny, I need a name, uh, a farmer, um, cow farmer. He goes, Oh, it's uh McMasters. Thank you. McMasters. Cool. It's old man McMasters, blah, 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 blah. Hey, I need this. And somebody spouts it out. And I'm playing with a bunch of guys who I've won, I played with forever. But two, they like to game, they all game master at some point or another. We all have a good time, you know, sharing the table that way. So I think that's a piece that has creeped into my my games. And I formalized the thing that happened regularly because it used to be if you saw somebody struggling or whatever it is 
Alf would be running and I would say, hey, I walk up to the barkeep and say, hey, Skippy. And suddenly barkeep's name is Skippy. That's just what happened. There were only certain players in the group that did that naturally. Everybody just went, oh, that's his thing, her thing, or his thing, or her thing. Like that was only relegated. So what I started doing was trying to take that and pushing that around. So that when JR wasn't normally the guy who did that, ask him specifically, JR, I need a thing. Help me out here, big guy. And he goes, oh, yeah, sure. Here's the, here's the deal. Here's what it looks like. Here's what this is. And by opening that up, then other people who hadn't normally done that, they're like, oh, I can do that too. Some people are like, eh, I don't feel like it. Give it to Lenny. <laughs> okay, fine. You know, I, I don't care. But, um, yeah. I, think, like I mean, I might have a player that can do it, but I think it depends to what extent. And so I'm not opposed to any changes or implementing things that are off the cuff. It doesn't no. bother me any. The thing that bothers me and the way that stuff like that gets manipulated in my games that really will keep like will present the adversarial Sean is yeah. when it's used, it's it's abused or it, it doesn't make sense and it's a heavy handed thing. Jeff trying to make five actions in a round because he wants to do something. Yes, I get the rule of cool. Do not get me wrong. I've run with this guy for 40 years. Yeah. That's his shtick. I want to be able to do all this crap. And I'm like, come on, dude. You got to kind of play break. within the bounds of the game. Otherwise, break it down. Break it down. Yeah. Everybody's going to want to do it. And you're going to want to do it all the time because I let you do it this one time. Yeah. I don't mind it. Like, if it makes sense and it's super awesome and it's the one killing blow to the big bad evil guy. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, man. All right, go, dude. Or give me a roll and see if you can pull this off. And if you roll really, really well, man, you get that. Absolutely. My crew, when when I hear one of the things that um, Harrigan says is like games that handcuff the DM, like Numenera, the GM interruptions are a mechanic. Um, I know people who play Numenera and whatnot, and they would take serious umbrage at being told that they were handcuffed because they really like that. And I think there's... You know, the whole influence the story component, I have to admit that there's a piece of influencing the story that a player just goes, no, nah, I don't like that. That rankles me a bit. And part of the problem is because I see abuse, yeah. even if it hasn't happened yet. I'm like, this is going to get stupid. And I know for a fact that if I actually did it and ran it, 99.999% of the people I run with, I would never have the problem. But right. <laughs> it's, it's a totally a Brett thing where I'm like, ah. This will be abused. This right here. Ah, this is what all. This is a downfall yeah. society. This will wreck everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, it's the thing that will bring upon the apocalypse <laughs> of this gaming system. Is this thing? <laughs> it doesn't mean I. You know. And again, how? Yeah. I read it. I don't like it. I will say though that I will try it because I don't know in a gaming system if I'm going to like it yet until I really tried it. Now there are some games I read and I'm like I don't want to try that. Right. Um, I had Invisible Sun for a while. Read it, read it, read it, read it. I'm like, I don't want to try this. Nah, nah, not going to. Now, I could play it at some point and go, wow, this is pretty cool. I feel like a dumbass. I should have hung on to that sucker. Should have done that. But whatever. My choices. But the other piece is I know who I play with and the amount of fun we have, the type of fun we have together. And do I need, we've talked about this before. Do I need certain mechanics for certain things? No, because we do it naturally. However, I because I'm running more and more games at conventions now than I ever did when I was much younger, I like to make sure that whatever game I'm running, I'm helping it shine and so that the players can have the most amount of fun. So my GM style changes more so that the players can have the most amount of fun as possible. So if that meant influence the story, if that meant source the table more or whatever other component you have out there, I, I'm fine with that. Because I want people to have a good time. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. That was off the cuff there, Harrigan. So, I mean, this could easily turn into something a little bit different. Um, when you talk about how to play RPGs, taking into account the stance, actor, author, director, and so forth. That's that's interesting. Um, some of that stuff um, I have a natural dislike for. When I read some of that stuff, I'm like, ah. But then again, I have to take a breath. 
get a drink and say, all right, let's, let's, let's clear your brain and go back and reread that thing. So I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I don't have enough experience with those, um, with that particular type of school of thought that you're talking about there. So I may bristle at it at first, but then the other part of me goes, you know what though? You don't know enough about that. Let's do some reading. Let's see what's out there. Do a little more research. So anyway, good stuff here again. These type of comments and questions are, are handy because I think uh, we've said this before, you know, introspection, self-reflection. It's good, especially for a hobby. It's good stuff. Over to you, sir. Yeah, thanks, Harrigan. Jason, he messaged us on Patreon. I think this goes back to solo play, solo player games. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to put it out there on how much I appreciate DMing a game for one player. Solo games, as they are known, have an amazing ability to provide such a different format of storytelling. It, to me, feels way more detailed and cinematic by focusing on one individual character. Don't get me wrong, I love DMing games of any size, but the addition of more players usually means less detail in character, streamlining or merging elements of the story, etc. Let me know how many others out there in tabletop role-playing game land love solo games as much as I do. I have not run a solo game in a very, very long time. <clears throat> I've done them as a form of side quest where you have a side one-off piece, but it's been a long time since I've even done that. Just hasn't been a thing. Now that said, some of the crew in my home group love doing it. Nick will run a small role-playing game with Zave or Lenny will do something with Alpha or whatever. <clears throat> Stuff's happening and they're running small little one-on-one -on -one games and it's pretty cool. I've done two players in me. Usually is as small as it gets. At least has been. At least that's the most recent. Should probably do that more just to try it. So I, if I ever run another Star Wars game, and yeah. maybe any game, I want to have, my session zero would be one-on-one. -on -one. Ah. And either run it in the meta or actually run them through something. That was an old Vampire of the Masquerade thing. Was it? Each each storyteller should pull as I'm remembering it. This was the the cool piece if you could pull it off. You pull the player aside and you run through their embrace, how you became a vampire. You run through that with them. And you know it's a foregone conclusion you become a vampire. Let's go through this. Right. <clears throat> we used to do it individually, like away from everybody. Oh, secrets, secrets, secrets. And then I did it once where I ran it from the whole table. And the fear I always had was that it was going to be boring as fuck for everybody else listening to it. Turn out to be a wonderful entertainment for everybody involved because they're like in the moment. Oh, that was cool. Oh, fuck. It's my turn. You could tell Brett's going around the table. It's getting uglier as he goes. Shit. <laughs> he started off pretty light. It's getting darker and darker. Ah, crap. I'm the last guy. This is not going to be good. But um, it's fun. And you could do that type of thing even, as I say, in a group, you know, where people, everybody can kind of see it. It can be kind of neat, too. Yeah. Well, slick. It would be kind of a Star Wars approach where, oh, you start out, yeah. you go so far, bring them into one location, and then it ends, go to the other, next player character, something, something, and something happens. They end up in the same place. <clears throat> and then go. session one, everybody's in the bar looking at each other. Maybe there's a connection. Maybe there's not. Yeah. I like it. Well, we'll see. Cool. I like it. Um, We've had this this topic come up periodically, the solo games thing. If people out there hit us up in the forums, email, Patreon, voicemail, however you want to get at us, let us know if you're running a solo game. If you have what your favorite rule set for it is, do you have a rule set that's specific for solo play, like Cthulhu Confidential or something like that or anything? Let us know what it is you're doing and in that space because I'm interested in it. I think it'd be kind of cool to learn more about it. So let's see. Last one here today. Corey, man of war, comment about running for kids. Um, and I'm going to say, well, you're going to be there Saturday. You'll see, uh, you'll see the brothers win this weekend. I better. Right. Yeah, of course. It's the only reason we'll I'm going. Oh. Wow. Oh, thanks. Anyway, Corey says, I started running my kids in AD&D when they were six and five. I gave them some parameters and explained the character sheet and told them they could try anything, and I'd adjudicate the results. 
They grasped it right away. They've had some very imaginative uses of things. For example, using the, the spell Stone Shape to capture carrying crawlers' tentacles so they would trap them without fighting them and bypassing the trapped creatures. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> they looked up stuff I wonder how the- many kids are, are more apt to not kill the creature. Like, I don't want to kill it. I just want to make sure it's not dangerous or... There are I minimize. We've, we've talked about this a little bit before, and I'm going to do a quick aside here. So I have seen small, adorable children. <laughs> um, don't hurt them, save them, talk to them. That kind of cliche, if you will. Right. I also have people like my daughter, um, <laughs> who will. Come on. Well, I guess she's I guess we, unique. She I falls guess we under need the to, Brett I, tree. I guess we need to kill her and rip her guts open to find the key she swallowed. <laughs> And I'm the size of a goblin. If I take, if I skin one of the ones we just killed, can I wear it as a disguise, Dad? So I've seen all of that. So there's <laughs> Alana, and then there's everybody else. Yeah, so I see. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they looked stuff up in the PHB and came up with creative ways around things, as well as possible creative interpretations of spells. I love it. Listening to the podcast episode and quotes like try anything without context to that statement and I should be able to do what I want, etc. led me to led me to a question for you all. At what point does it get away from being game with parameters like AD&D, DCC, RPG, Call of Cthulhu, etc. and turn into a, some kind of weird Calvin ball <laughs> where the DM GM storyteller lets the player do whatever they want and the gameplay doesn't even remotely resemble the game the group is supposedly playing? Curious about all your thoughts on that matter. Calvin ball. Yeah, if you haven't read Calvin Hobbes, uh, you miss you miss you miss some cool stuff. Calvin Ball, just so everybody knows, was the game Calvin and his stuffed tiger imaginary friend Hobbes would play together. And the rule, the only rule was they could never have the same rules twice. <laughs> and we've talked about this in various forms throughout, and it is it is interesting. People will be like, "Well," and we talked about this in Christ not that long ago. With if I'm playing a game and a house ruled it too much, is it even D and D anymore? Right. I house rule this. It's not even that. I did whatever I wanted to. It's that kind of free ass. What I think the general answer is is everybody having fun and a good time. And I know people are going, oh, it's a fucking cop out, Brett, you dumbass, blah, blah. But seriously, if you got six people sitting at a table and playing Calvin Ball RPG is your idea of a good time, okay. You know? Brett, you're allowed uh, one cop out. Uh, Per quarter, um, per quarter. This is January. I'm using a little early. A little early this we'll year. Allow a little it. early this year. Well, thank you. Something Ooh. to keep in mind. Come <laughs> February and March. Uh, not to take a harder stance in February and March. Like God, February is a well. See, I do this on purpose because February is a short month. Always thinking this guy. I'm trying, but anyway, I think it. It is interesting, and I think part of. I think we talked about this a little bit on the episode when we first started chatting through this and Corey, forgive me if I, if I didn't, or we didn't, I should say, but I think one of the things that you say you did there was I gave them some parameters, explain the character sheet and they could try anything. And I adjudicate the results. You can try, I'll adjudicate. And you gave them parameters and things that they could work with. I think sometimes when people fail to explain that you can do pretty much anything. You could try all sorts of stuff. There are parameters to the world and the setting, and there's some rules that kind of bind things, help us tell, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think sometimes if you don't set that stage right out of the gate saying, hey, look, there are rules and things we're going to use to help us, to help me as game master, or we as the whole table to adjudicate how this particular thing is going to go. If you don't remind people of that sometimes, it can get a little crazy on you. It can. What are you thinking, Sean? Well, that demographic is is beyond me. I don't run a lot of children, games. Children, for kids, what the hell? You know, um, there's no there's no legal, you know, restrictions, <laughs> mind you. But uh, you know, so it's for me, it's a little bit different. Like I don't, you know, I, I guess if I had kids, I was running for, I could give a shit, whatever. It's kind of interesting. I thought about roll I fives. Read this. If you roll fives, you succeed. Oh, next time. Got roll threes. Okay, okay. Some and depending what kids you're playing with, if you're having a good time, people are just having a hoot and they just don't care. Yeah. The kids don't care. They're not going to call me out on anything. 
Uh, AJ would. He's um, not six. <laughs> I know. Well, he's 13 now, but he would have. Wow. Because that's that's my boy's nature, you know. Again. Different kid. Tr- he grew up in a, in a gaming household. Brett Tree. Clunk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that. It's a stone dead apple. That that is. Anyway, point point is, I I don't know, man. I think what I what is my point? If you're all having a good time and it is a weird ass Calvin Ball game and that's your thing, that's fine. I think the best criticism I could level on somebody doing that is like, wow, that would not work for me. That would drive me fucking nuts. Yeah. I'm not saying you're bad. I totally am not. It would drive me freaking bananas. You, sir, and or madam, and your crew are having a hell of a good time. You folks keep doing what you folks want to do. Go for it. The only caveat to that I would speak up on is if you're trying to teach the kids boundaries and rules. Right? There's kind of a, hey, let me explain to you how this works. Yeah. You know? You can't do this, and this is why. Like, there's rules, you know. Otherwise, hey, go down to the store, steal a pack of smokes, whatever. It's chaos. It's anarchy. Like, you don't want to raise kids like that. So they're no. In, in a D and D game, uh, you know, to use that example, like, hey, I want to, I want to steal from the king. I want to pick his pocket at the ball. Now you realize if you get caught, he could throw you in prison and cut your head off. Really? Yeah. Well, I want to do it anyway. You get you, you thrown in prison, they're gonna cut your head off tomorrow. Oh, well, you did warn me. <laughs> you know, yeah. so sometimes you got to do that. <clears throat> I don't know. It, it's it's so goofy to me because it almost there's some of that stuff borders on the don't tell me how to have fun, right? And who the hell are we to tell you how to have fun? The best thing I could do, the the strongest thing I could say is, "Wow, I couldn't do that." Yeah. Or that does not look like any fun to me. To you. However, y'all are having an awesome goddamn time. You keep being awesome and keep having fun. People watched uh, Sean and I uh, get drunk and play Happy Salmon and almost get kicked out of a bar in, in Lake Geneva. Some people thought we were morons and didn't think it was any fun. Other people were having fun with us, thought it was a great damn time. The minute you realize that people are scrutinizing you, you get them to do what you're doing. And then suddenly they have fun. And suddenly... You know, it's not. So, and suddenly, it's not you have Dave Beatty. Anymore. You have Dave Beatty running around the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Topic. Time. Yeah, get into the main topic already. These freaking guys. All right. So Kojo hit us with a question for all BSers in general. He's talking about, and he says, are you curious what kind of system-neutral GM aids you keep in your toolbox to help you craft games and worlds and so forth? Are there any things you have that you find yourself going back to again and again? His examples of things around his shelf that he pulled up periodically, the Tome of Adventure design by Frog God Games, the Alphabet series by Goodman Games, including the Dungeon Alphabet by Mr. Curtis, the Monster One by Joe Bittman, Random Esoteric Creature Generator by James Raggy, the Storytellers Thesaurus, which is James Warden and Brown, how to write adventure modules that don't suck by Goodman Games. So, Sean, I had a couple, and two of them I do I do use the Alphabet series. I have both of those, which I find fun inspiration to page through and just kind of get my gears working. Sometimes, like, huh, I'm looking at running a D and D game for the kids or for my buddies. I want something new or different, and these are these are two books I can crawl through and say, huh. That's interesting. Oh, that gives me an idea, and then, I, then I'm off and running. So I see them as as pretty decent inspiration. Um, is there anything that you? I've got a couple others here that I that I kind of scribbled down before the show. Is there anything that you have read or continue to go back to, or do you have things that you just read once and it's always stuck with you ever since? What do you What do you think? Well, I don't read. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm trying. I am trying to. <laughs> uh, so toolbox. I took this as a uh, ham. Hey, what do you What do you pack in a bag and? Well, that's that's perfect too. Run a game with. Like, what do you need? Index cards. We talked about this last time. Yeah, we did. And that I mean, I look at what he said, and that does. That's a very good. That's kind of the next piece. You know, I think about stuff that I that I look at ahead of time, and then there's stuff I always bring with me. You know. Well, so what I, I always have I gotta, to do stuff So with. are we talking about, like, 
sitting down and having reference material to come up with to get the the brain cranked pretty much or are we talking you, about if, like if, hey if, i'm gonna go to the you're, table with uh if if you'd have read the notes <laughs> you didn't know what this was <laughs> uh, <sighs> every quarter i get to bust sean's balls um yep what's once a quarter. Once. Yeah, there it's <laughs> them all Burn in January. them all tonight. Burn them all in January. Yeah. So what I'm talking about here, and I think I think we can segue into the other aspect of toolbox perspective, but think about, you know, things you keep in your toolbox to help you craft your games, the worlds, and so forth. Like when you're getting ready, when you were thinking about for myself, I've mentioned this. We had a, an episode on this while back, Stealing Cthulhu by Graham Walmsley. I've read this book. I like it. I pull it out periodically when I'm thinking about, hey, I want to run a Call of Cthulhu type game, and I want some... I think there's a way. How could I... I pull that sucker up, page through, and I'm like, oh yeah, here, here we go, here we go. I don't always do exactly the example in the book, but it gives me something to kick me and make me get a better idea of what I like to do. The same... Um, I like to read the Play Dirty series by John Wick. If nothing else, sometimes they're just flat-out cathartic and funny. <laughs> some of the stuff he had in there. Some of it is very interesting, too. Um, there are certain, in the spirit of kind of what I set up front, if I'm going to be running an Avalon campaign for my home crew, I will, I have audiobooks that I look because I got an hour drive each way to work. So I've got a bunch of black company novels by Glenn Cook, the Agile Nick series by Paulus Kemp. Um, if I'm going to run a modern magic game, like my bad magic, I'll buzz through my uh, Hellboy, uh, graphic novels, maybe even watch a Hellboy movie type of thing. <clears throat> but those are things that, I find myself grabbing onto. Um, I don't uh, old Dragon magazine sometimes if I'm going to run a D and D game or fantasy game. I'm like, huh? Pull out the old PDFs. I have the uh, <clears throat> the big CD collection they they sold ages back. I'll buzz through a bunch of those. Like, oh yeah, let me look up uh, the Ecology of the Wemmick or the Ecology of the This just for funsies and see what I can do to get inspired by something to add a twist or a change to something or other. Do you have anything like that in your toolbox? Huh. Funsies, yeah. Brett said, "I said funsies." Funsies. <laughs> I get, I, I, I get, to, I'm gonna have to snip that out and use it as a little thingy. Yeah, I get one Susanism every quarter too. I'm burning all of it. I'm burning all of it. <laughs> I don't. Ha- I don't have a. I mean, I've read. I started reading John Wick's Play Dirty. Um, Do those type of books? You saying you don't have a lot of them? Well, there's. I mean, even never unprepared. Uh, yep. Sly flourishes. Um, why am I blanking? Phil, Phil Vacuum. No, stuff. I know Phil's is never, yeah, I know. never, I was gonna say never unprepared and all that. Yeah. It's like, oh, the lazy dungeon lazy master. Lazy dungeon about? master. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of those, but I don't, I don't go back to them over and over or, Hey, I'm going to sit down. Cause you know, I don't do a lot of my own prep. So when that's interesting. I don't write so, a lot of my own adventures, actually. So. so when you read that stuff, if you buzz through, like, Never Unprepared by Phil or Sly's, um, you know, Lazy Dungeon Master, if I go through Stealing Cthulhu, if I gave it to you, you'd be like, oh, that was neat. You're kind of a one and done with that stuff. Is that what I'm hearing? Like, hey, I read that. That gave me some neat stuff and file it away. Um, dude, I, I think I've got it's not, I'm not saying it's bad know. if you do. It's just, it's just a different approach. I think I've got problems. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I got problems. Yeah, that's my wife. She'll tell you. Um, Let me text her. I could have her call I you. I know. I'll read it. <laughs> and if I continue to read it all the way through, that's one trick. Mm-hmm. P- part of the problem is if I don't read it all the way. And I'll absorb some of it, but I probably won't take a note. I probably won't absorb it into memory. Therefore, what I read probably is fairly useless. Hmm. Not, not that text that they wrote and the information no but if it doesn't it doesn't i I didn't absorb it me personally um that's me all me so i i think it would help if i sat down and go okay i'm gonna start a homebrew campaign i gotta write up some encounters some npcs some issues that the player character is gonna run into Mm -hmm. and then what do i what do i think what am i thinking what am i thinking oh read john wick or you know, I picked up a couple of uh, Cobalt Complete books, like Complete Dungeon Designer, Magic, you know, yeah, Cobalt. Sure. had a couple of those. So I picked up a few of those in PDF. I've read um, Robin's Laws to Good Game Mastery. I find reading GM advice stuff 
for some weird reason is interesting to me. It is? It is. I don't mind reading it. And sometimes I actually like reading the old stuff in the old Dragon magazines. If for no other reason than to kind of go back to Harrigan's comment and go, wow, we used to do that. <laughs> like, I don't think I could get away with that at my table anymore. Even with my old cranky grognard buddies, I don't think we could pull that one off anymore. We, we haven't done that in forever. Um, and it's also interesting sometimes to read through some of the old forum articles and stuff to see, huh, this problem I think is really unique. They've been having the same goddamn problem players argument since, you know, episode or excuse me, issue two of Dragon. Wow, this has been a long time problem. I like reading the stuff. I have a tendency, like I said, the ones I go back to, I'll reread or I skim through them to get inspiration to kind of kick the mental juices around. But I think you have an interesting point. I am building my own adventures, my own campaign settings and so forth when I do it. And if I was going to do like, oh, I'm going to read, you know, Return to the Temple of Elemental Evil because I want to run a 3E campaign or something like that. I can just read that. Right. I don't need to read how to, you know, design an adventure. Yeah. But do you read, um, like the John Wick stuff is a lot of it, the play dirty pieces are like game mastering advice. Do you like or read game mastering articles it, and stuff like that? Does that? Yeah, I don't mind it. Um, do you like podcasting about game mastering? I actually, yeah, I actually <laughs> listen to a lot more podcasts. Um, well, even RPGs uh, podcasts are fairly limited. Um, I probably listen to more podcasts about podcasting. Isn't that crazy? Than role playing games for a variety of different reasons. Oh, makes sense. Um, so if I heard good advice in a podcast and I wanted to make note of that, that's the problem. I'm not kind of putting it to memory. I'm not documenting it. I'm not taking any notes. I'm not writing it on index cards. So it's very in the moment and it just kind of disappears. So, yeah. So let me think about that. So what's interesting to me is if I hear it, like I've, I will pick an old misdirected Mark episode. I listened to and Hey, yeah, I got this really cool idea from something Phil and Chris talked about, you know, I liked it, locked it away in my brain and I used it. I can do that. It's not like I have some weird-ass superpower. A lot of people can. Oh, I heard a thing. I remember the thing, and I use the thing. Um, it sounds like when you hear something like that, it's like perking somewhere in your subconscious. But it almost feels more like when you read the Call of Cthulhu rules, you're like, oh, yeah, I've read the rules. I understand it. If, it. if the rules have a new cool way to do something, that's kind of how the rubber meets the road for you versus, hey, I listened to these guys talk about this new cool way to do treasure. Therefore, next time I run d and I'm going to try that. You're you're more of the if it's in the game, I'm, if it's in the game I'm running, then you're going to use it type of thing. I don't know if I even explained that right. <laughs> um, I think I know what you're saying. Like if like if you pick if I said hey man you could use Benny's you could use these little chips you could give people stuff they could influence the game yeah you're like oh that sounds that sounds kind of cool and then it goes away until I throw savage rolls in front of you go, hey this reminds me of the thing Brett talked about is that does that kind of make you do stuff and uh, as far as like influence you is that more how it happens yeah oh for like through the rules. Yeah. yeah, more more likely, yes. So if I read Cypher System went, oh, this is kind of a cool thing. You you know, for difficulty, if there's a level, it's always times three. So that's the difficulty. So mm-hmm. it's a level one, you got to roll above a three. And you can, you know, add things to increase yep. your chances or lower the difficulty, right? But you're not going to take that then and... Reference that over and over again is like a thing no. to do somewhere else. No, I okay. would probably stick with, I mean, in that specific instance, I would stick with Cypher because that's kind of core to those rules. I'm not opposed to implementing something cool that I would come across. Like, I, th- I like momentum and momentum in Star Trek and dense destiny points in Star Wars where you get this Evans flow swing, which... Mm-hmm. D&D doesn't inherently have. It's kind of the DM to just, right, you know, or the consequences of the player characters gotcha. inherently, but there isn't a mechanic to it. 
So you're not like so. And how to write adventure modules that don't suck by Goodman Games. Uh, Kojo mentioned I had that for a little bit. Started to read it. I did not like it. I got rid of it. Um, it just was boring to me. I know a lot of people really enjoyed it. It just was not was not for me. Um, but that type of book, when you go to a con and you're walking through the hall, you see, you know, the dungeon alphabet. Like, hey, here's a whole you know A to Z, literally A to Z inspiration of different components about dungeons. You don't go, hey, that'd be a cool book to have on my shelf so I could reference that. That doesn't, that's not a draw for you. Is that what you're saying? It isn't. And part of me is, part, my rationale for it not being interesting is because I would rather look at my <coughs> own me. creativity. It, sure, it okay. could be inspirational. But I would much rather watch a movie and go, how would this be presented as a role-playing game? I think... That there is, I think, between movies, even actual play podcasts I've heard people talk about, and uh, some of the cool TV sh- series that are out there. I'm currently watching the new Netflix Witcher show, and I can't tell if I like it or hate it yet. I'm going to figure that out later. But there's pieces of it where I watch it, and I'm like, huh, I could steal that. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Oh, that would work. So are there any of those types of movies that every time you watch it, you find to be inspirational in that way? Um, kind of a go-to movie. Yeah. I mean, we all have them. It's no, not really. <laughs> I, like I was watching Die Hard over the holidays. Great Christmas movie. It is a Christmas. Totally. Movie. I'll fight anyone who says it's not. And I think about how he goes through the airport, gets picked up by yeah. the limo driver. It just gets crazy. It's hilarious, crazy. right? Yeah. And then, I mean, it's a solo game. Yeah. Well, actually, it's a two-person game, he and his wife. Well, sure. It cut back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, but if you're playing Holly, you're not doing a hell of a lot. Uh, I don't know, man. Or you could be you and Hans Gruber at odds with each other. Sure. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, carry on, carry on. Well, look at it. We're doing it. presents Die Hard role playing a, Chris, a Christmas story. Yeah. Um, we're doing it right now, though. We're both taking that that movie. Right. Spoilers, people. There's a guy named Hans Gruber and he falls off the <gasps> building. We never told him Shut what happened. Bitch. Jesus. Oh shit! Damn it. Anyway, Brett, can't take you anywhere. I told. <laughs> I fucking just totally ruined what you're saying. I'm sorry. You can take like okay, maybe you're the Hans Gruber guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the crew. Right, and you've got. John McClane effing your shit up. <laughs> now that would be a role playing game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Don't, one... don't play the good guy. Play the bad no, you got guys. One, you got one turd in the punch bowl who you can't get rid of. <laughs> Keep slaughtering your people. Yeah, just a fly in the ointment. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Roy. Um great. Yeah. So, so you that, take that, that type- and you're like, okay, what are you trying to do? All right, I got to break into this computer. Okay, give me some skill checks. Oh, blah, blah, blah. You know but the those- only way that it's going to happen is if this occurs. Is this because you're a visual learner, Sean? Is this your it, thing? It very may well be. It, it I'm not be. saying that. I'm, I pick it on you slightly, but that's that, that, that would totally be fucking legit. I'm a dude. visual and a repetitive guy. Like, I, rules forever just have never – I cannot sit down, read a rule book, and go, oh, I totally got this. And then come to the table and quote every rule that's relevant to the particular situation. So if a combat breaks out, I'm like, man, I read it. I don't remember any of it. Let's break it out again. Yeah. Let's figure it out. Yeah. And then we run it, and then we run it again, and then we run it again. And I'll be like, okay, this is the way that works. Like, Doc used to get pissed off at me at the table all the time because he'd be running a game. He'd be like, all right, it's your turn. I'm like, okay, I do this. While you're, you're sneak attacking? I'm like, yeah. Well, then you roll a D6. Oh. Fuck. Sorry. Yeah, and he's like three or four times he has to tell me that. Well, you know, fifth time, Sean's like, I'm a sneak attack. <laughs> but that, I mean, there's something to be said for that, too. I mean, if I were to say, hey, this Stealing Cthulhu book, man, it's really cool to help you do, you know, your own Call of Cthulhu type adventures. It's really cool. You'd be like, great. You read it. Go, okay, that's cool. But if you're not somebody who is going to read this stuff textbooky, you know, research style, if that's not your thing, but there are other avenues for that. You know, the the Black Company novels, I've stolen a ton of things through them. The Edgel Nick stuff, I've steal stuff from that periodically. Hell, I even um, <laughs> I have audio books of the first two, I don't have the third one yet, uh, the original Dragonlance Chronicles. 
listen to them if, for nostalgia purposes, but I was like, huh, that, that thing in there, that's kind of neat. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to steal that thing. I, I forgot that was there. I'm going to use that again. And sometimes that type of inspiration, just to figure out how the hell you're going to do something, you know, what's going to help you make that encounter a little more fun. Sometimes just watching or consuming media in some way that's best for you to consume it, that's in the genre or the feeling can be pretty handy. You know, if you're going to run uh, high fantasy type of thing, maybe somebody would say, oh, you got to watch Lord of the Rings. That's really, really cool. Or if you're going to watch, if you're going to do gritty something, something, maybe watch this other thing or, or whatever the case is. So I think I don't, I would never deign to say that doing it your way is lesser than the way I do by reading different stuff. I just think it's a different way to consume it. Yeah. Just another, just a different way to be inspired by stuff that helps you get better at things. Cause even if, if you, if you take the diehard movie, you watch that, let's just use an example. And then you're running a heist game or you're running something and you say to your, your crew, you're like, you guys have seen diehard, right? Yeah. So this is that scene. Yeah. that. imagine that right there. I've, we've talked about this before where you can grab a thing that's pop culture, common knowledge. Have you guys all seen stranger things? Good. Remember the scene? Yeah. That's what it feels like right now. Remember how fucking creepy that was on that piece? Yeah. Oh, have you seen the new It movie? Okay, this is like that, but in an alleyway, not a sewer. Okay, I'm creeped the fuck out. Being able to use that as a reference sometimes, just descriptive-wise, you know, you read through like the Dungeon Alphabet and so forth, or the Monster Alphabet, it has some good things. Hey, here's some descriptors and things you can use. And sometimes a shortcut to that is a movie reference that a lot of people know. Or some other universal quote-unquote thing. If you're playing a Star Wars game, you say, this is Hoth. Second movie, yes, Empire Strikes Back, Hoth. This is where you're at. Wow, really? Yes, this is it. Okay, images are conjured and people have got a thing. Now, it's every (laughs) imperial structure. It's all steel walls, steel floors, very clean. Yeah, this is is very imperial. (laughs) Right, I got it. Yeah. I mean, if you say this is Star, this looks like a Star Wars imperial structure. I have an image of yeah, because they're all the same. Yeah, I'm not even a huge Star Wars fan, and I'm like, oh, I know There's what no that looks like. Couches and cushions. <laughs> no, <laughs> everything is severe. All the chairs have no backs on them. There's no rail. There's no guard railings for the guys that fire the big no guns. No guard you know railings. That. There's no ocean. No Fuck ocean. That. None. That's those bastards. There you go. That's the deal. Perfect example. <laughs> and then everything bounty hunter or fringe. Is all sandy, dirt, dirty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got a theme going on. You know, it's interesting now that we kind of ended up in this place. You know, Kojo was saying, hey, what are the, the aids you keep in your toolbox? And I think other than these books and things, and I, I we've talked to people on uh, here before, if people want to bring up stuff in our forums or write into us and tell us, hey, what you're using. But I really think that, those descriptors that Sean is talking about that we're hashing out here, those are some pretty cool toolbox things to have. Um, not that you have to keep up on every pop culture and watch every Netflix episode or whatever it is. Yeah, Sean's saying, yes, you yes, do right now. Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. But having those having those references or something you can, you can utilize like that can be pretty damn handy. I think that's a pretty cool way to go. That's that's good stuff because it's a it's a piece you can have to help you craft your game and the game world and the encounter by a readily available mental picture. Clunk. It's like an imperial fortress except pink. Huh. That's weird. I know what it is. I know what it looks like. Yeah. Except it's not slate gray. It's pink. That's right. Got it. Cool. All right, man. I'm good. All right. So uh, listeners, folks out there, let us know what you guys are using for um, in, what's in your preparation toolbox. Are you do you keep a store of movie ideas? Do you read novels? Do you have books like you know Play Dirty, Stealing Cthulhu, How to Write Adventure Models? Don't sorry. do you have that type of thing? Is that a go to for you? Do you have Never Unprepared? Do you crack that sucker out? Do you look up all the other cool stuff by Engine Publishing? What what are you grabbing to do this stuff with? And um, Maybe you're doing something totally different than what Sean and I have talked about. Because any different way that you're getting inspiration to help you make your games better, and we're talking GM neutral stuff here. Now, it doesn't have to be 
I shouldn't say GM neutral, system neutral. It's not like a Dungeons and Dragons specific. Right. Some of the Cobalt Complete stuff was like, hey, here's how you make magic work. Hey, here's how you build a campaign. It isn't just for here's how you make your Star Wars game the best Star Wars game. And maybe you have found something that was setting specific or game specific that you found universally applies to you. Let us know about that too. There's all sorts of way, cool ways to skin the sucker. Yeah. We good? We're good. Go ahead and die all right, roll. Move it on. Man. Die roll. Got a few points this week from Game and a Geekery we want to share with you. First one Fantasy Flight Interactive to close its doors. Hmm. I don't even know if this spins has been announced officially. Cause Sean It's in the wild. Sean knows the person that heads up that little outfit. It was posted publicly, wasn't it? Put it out on LinkedIn. So I asked them on Twitter, hey, is this true? Nobody's responded yet. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll find out if it's true eventually. Maybe it'll get absorbed in an Asmodi digital. But I know he's out of job. And so is wow. like the six other or seven people that work with him. Uh, oh, that sucks. So there's a, yeah. a D&D book coming. Is it? It's listed on Amazon. It hasn't been disclosed. It's just listed like D&D book titled TBD. They're going to announce it on January 9th. This is the word. Yeah. It's going to be Mar- It's going to be released in March. That's not that far. No. What do you think it's going to be, Brett? Well, it's going to have Dungeons and Dragons in it. Um, hmm. The hell do I think it is? I've seen somebody on Twitter. I think Sly Flourish put out there. Shay, Mike Shea probably put it out there. On Twitter, and a bunch of people are commenting all over the place. <laughs> I want a Greyhawk book. Nah. Ain't going to happen. I want Realms. one. Again? Yeah. There's no Forgotten Realms source book for 5e. Sword Coast. Sword Coast. Oh, that's, yeah. 5e. Yes, I Sword understand, Coast. Brad. Okay. You're right. Saying. I don't think, don't, I, I, mean, I still think it's going to be a Forgotten Realms book. Because Eberron I would just actually, came out. I would actually, I would actually like, yeah, I know, but I would actually, I would like Greyhawk or even Dragonlance. Just one of those. I'd love it. That'd be yeah. cool. Dark, Dark Sun. They have a lot of goddamn properties that they could play with. Yeah. They could keep 5e going for a long time. Yeah. I don't know. I hope it's Greyhawk, but we'll see what happens. I think it's Fire Realms. Because they released a die set that's Realmsy. Yeah, every adventure they put out has been Realmsy. True. Anyways, let us know what you think. By the time this drops, everybody will know. <laughs> Archaeolo- well, we'll find out. Archaeologists spend... Over 35 years building a massive scale model of ancient Rome. You gotta click on the link to the article. Man. Scale like one inch equals? I don't even know. Oh, it is a one to 250 scale model. It's crazy. Not the Roman Empire, just Rome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So if you that's like an, your little minnow miniatures and that's train sets, intense. you got to look at that's, this thing. That's pretty intense. Lou, we'll mention a GoFundMe. We'll have that in the link in the die roll as mm-hmm. well if you want to contribute. They, there's like yep. a 500 gold or above 2,000. So cool. otherwise, I think that's it. Brett, what are we talking about next week? We've had a couple of different listeners bring this up in the, uh, in the forums about backing RPG Kickstarters, yes. what you look for, what you like or don't like. Um, or how do you and, determine which one to back? Exactly. Yeah. So if nothing else, Sean and I can tell you at least what we what we do. <laughs> whether that um, whether that has won us any uh, awards, accolades, or who who's pissed us off recently, it could turn into a I hate this company because they still screwed me. Um, promise we won't mention Far West. Oh, it's too late. Anyway, we will uh, talk about that next time. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We good? Amazing Alex and I think Peter brought that up yep. on the forum. So Yes, it did. You. We gotta, Both of you. We gotta go through it. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, happy 2020, BSers. Happy, tw- happy 2020. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, for and for God's sakes, don't don't burn your whole uh your whole once a quarter thing like I did this early in January. Don't do it. We got a new shirt in the store. Gaming cops. <laughs> 
Gaming cops. Yeah. People are gonna. I think that's gonna rub people the wrong way. Gaming cops. That sends the wrong message. Yeah, it's supposed to. It's funny. It's tongue in cheek, man. Yeah, it's 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 supposed to be a joke. Yeah. So there are no gaming cops until now. Yeah. (laughs) Until now. Dun dun dun. dun. All right. Check it out. (laughs) All right. Otherwise, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Grand Miner, Corey Wynn, Hawk Sparrow, Larry Haupt, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongo, Chris Steele, Ron, Bishop Thomas Hook, Rain Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValle, Jason Hobbs, Guy, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert and even Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Mark Anthony, Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, Closet Gamer, Jeff Goat, Aaron Coleman, Ray, Otis C, W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wisson. Old Scouts are role-playing. Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David F. Balog, Harrigan. Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Tavola, Hus Carl, Roger Blassett, Mark Sohn, Andy Hall, Andy Hall, Andy Olson, Eric Avia, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Ghost GM, Mike Hess, Chad Glayman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, and Marco Froelich. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers. This This has has been been a Litterbox Studio production. production.